Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Open Forum podcast. Today we have with us Craig Sawyer. Uh, very grateful that he's given us some time uh, today to be able to speak. Now, Craig is someone who has operated in 60 countries as a former Marine, a Navy SEAL, an Air Marshal, a technical advisor for the protection detail of US dignitaries in foreign lands. He's worked in TV and film as well as hunting poachers in a TV series. He's also been involved in motocross. He's almost like a comic book hero ripped straight out of the pages into real life. And then we come to the reason of today's conversation since 2017, Craig has founded a not-for-profit that's ultimate aim is to stop child trafficking, uh, utilizing his decades of experience to essentially save what amounts to the future of the nation. And as well as this, over this time, he's also made a documentary called Contraland, which I'm sure we're going to get onto. Now, Craig, that's a brief sort of 30 seconds of who you are. Can you maybe take two or three minutes, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll just dive on into the topic of today. Yeah, thank you for the kind intro. Well, really, I think what's most important to understand about me is I'm just a busted up veteran and father who wants people to stop harming children. And I'm trying to rally a a mission to do that and it's bizarre quite frankly the opposition that i'm running into so there there's a whole epiphany lesson there but yeah i i grew up in southern texas went off to defend my nation from what i was told and what i could see was the worst terror the worst evil that i could identify was international terrorism and i thought man that's not okay so i went to go become the greatest warrior I could to go somewhere else to stop evil before it came here and ruined our peace and freedom and liberty, you know, uh, here in the United States. I love our people, people and our culture, and I want to be able to maintain that. And uh, I served in good faith. But, you know, somewhere along the way, after starting to raise children and serving in federal law enforcement and then serving in the Department of State and the intelligence community and high threat mobile security over in the war zones, I learned about child trafficking in the United States and saw that it is a covert operation run domestically here at home at industrial scale. And I recognized the earmarks of a, of a covert operation and I realized this cannot be run, this criminal enterprise inside the United States cannot be run at this scale without a lot of top cover. Top cover meaning there are a lot of officials that are supposed to stop this that are looking the other way and allowing it. And I thought, well, okay, the worst thing that could happen to a covert operation is what we refer to as mission compromise, meaning it's exposed. And the, the, the local people recognize what it is and recognize the hostility in it and can turn against it. And so I mean to create what we refer to in the counterterrorism or the intelligence community is a hostile uh, and non-permissive environment for child trafficking in the United States. So done are my days traveling around the world to stop some boogeyman from coming here when there are plenty of boogeymen destroying our purest and most innocent here around the clock, right behind my back, right under our noses, the American people are largely unwitting to it. Now, the lid's coming off of that cesspool now, thank God, uh, through a series of blows against that gate. We had Harvey Weinstein and, and Hollywood film and television 
exposed as a pedophile and abuser. And then we had Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein exposed. We had Barney Frank running a boy's brothel out of his congressional office in Washington, D.C. I mean, some of the sloppiest, nastiest people you'd ever see turn out to be pedophiles. And it's, you know, it's it's no surprise anymore when these elected officials turn out to be dirty. And we're learning more about what's going on there. So, you know, I just believe that exposing it is the best thing. I think uh, sunlight is the best antiseptic for corruption. Let the people see it so that we can make a choice of what we're going to do about it. And either we're going to say no to this and drive this wicked abuse from our culture collectively and in, in concert and, and with moral authority and, and, and righteous indignation, if you will. Or we're going to turn a blind eye and say, oh, children, harm to children. Oh, I, that's a difficult topic. I just can't. And turn a blind eye to it and thereby allow it to continue. I believe that there's a severe price to pay for allowing it to continue. I think now's the time when it's supposed to be exposed and it's so many things are, are, are playing out that reveal that that is what's happening. What's and, supposed uh, to I, be happening I, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like you say, you've had that over in the U S in the UK, we've had uh, Jimmy Savile being exposed as well. Yep. And then yep. his connections to the Royal family, as well as Epstein's connections to the British Royal family and the rumors that have gone around them for decades. Now, uh, people working in office within the UK as well, within Parliament. I wholeheartedly agree with you that it it does seem like now is the right time for the public consciousness to be made aware of the things that are happening around us. But it is, give or take, a $35 billion industry just on US soil. It's a hundred and something billion globally. It's the fastest growing black market activity. Like you say, there has to be top cover in order for this to happen. But how has that happened? Surely there must have been good people. I mean, like you say, if there's top cover, that means there's people in the intelligence service as well. How is it that this has been allowed to go so far and so hard and work its way into the deepest parts of our society? Well, our president back in 1962, I believe it was, or 63, I think the speech was in 63, John F. Kennedy, he gave a speech on secret societies. And he said the entire notion of people being more loyal to a secret group than the institution that they're supposed to represent is repugnant to the American people. Well, I would like to think that that would be repugnant to any people. And I believe that it is. And they murdered him. They they murdered him. And, it's, and that the the evidence from that murder is still redacted and classified. We still can't get straight answers on it. So we know the intelligence community is involved. In fact, we know the CIA is involved. Um, so many pieces of evidence just keep pouring out. And in fact, George Bush Sr. seems to be uh, central in that. Big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. That assassination. And of course, now he has been allowed to pass away in peace without any justice or, or accountability. But I think that is kind of how this is happening, to be honest with you, this secret society. And one of the ones that we know of, it's a religious 
institute institution in the United States. It's a major, it's a big and wealthy religious institution. The top 15 at least are in a satanic cult group. And we're not saying, um, you know, a cult group that gets together and plays board games. These are people that conduct Ritual ceremonies, including sacrifice, but the all that happens before the sacrifice is the unspeakable abuse that I won't go into on your show here, but it turn your stomach, even hardened combat veterans. And when you start uh, talking about this being done to children, you understand the the repulsiveness of, of what's going on. So is, there is such a thing as evil. And that's what these people subscribe to. So you and I may not agree with their beliefs that they get a certain amount of temporary power for doing this to children, but they believe it. And so they do it. And it's not a small scale we're learning. We've got a, well, I won't say the numbers. We've got a, a huge number, uh, almost an inexhaustible, if you look in the practical uh, application of how we can interview these people, a pool of satanic ritual abuse survivors uh, highly credible witnesses and survivors, some of whom have been healed quite impressively. It, uh, 30 years of, of healing and, and uh, love and um, therapy and can talk very, very accurately about it. And uh, everywhere in between, uh, you know, all, all different manners of, of healing and, and um different, you know, religious beliefs and stuff, but they all describe the same basic tenets of this cult group and, and nature of how they were harmed and all that. So you can tell, even though these victims aren't related, don't know each other, you can tell by their witness, by their expert testimony that, yeah, they experience a lot of the same things from the same group. And it's, um, you, you get to understand it very quickly. So with that dynamic happening in any institution. And it could be, it doesn't have to be any certain type of institution. This cookie cutter template could be superimposed upon any institution. And if the senior officials subscribe to and are loyal to a secret group, more so than the institution that they are paid and, and chartered to represent then there's something that's obviously not going to work the way that it's supposed to and that's what we're seeing here in the u.s and i think it's a global problem because this uh, this network of criminals is global and it seems like so many of them are literally members of this global satanic cult group and what they do to the children is their their darkest and most protected secret and i think once the the people are once their awareness is high enough of, of of that of that's what these people resort to that's what they do to children to protect themselves and their crimes uh, from public scrutiny and from legal prosecution then there will be a tipping point because the people right now are still largely unwitting to it so through jeffrey epstein galane maxwell harvey weinstein um and others that movies like the sound of freedom our documentary contraland those are blows against the gate and that gate's cracking open the sunlight's shining through so it's just a matter of time before that level of consciousness that or awareness 
hits the point where the populace globally says, okay, we see this and it's no longer uh, going to continue. We're, we're going to revolt. It's great that we have the potential and we finally have a bit more staying power behind people coming forward and doing something about it. Like you say, there's the sound of freedom, there's contra land from yourself. But for many, many years, this was thought of as nothing more than a conspiracy, something that Alex Jones and Owen Schroyer would talk about on Infowars. And if you listen to them and if you believe them, then you were also crazy. You were only queuing on conspiracy theorists, despite the fact that those lads have been proven to be right time and time again. And despite the fact that when Alex Jones was talking about Jeffrey Epstein having an island and taking people out there, has also been proven right. It's been a long time coming, yes, but how is it that they've kept people in line? Why haven't people come forward? You've spoken about speaking to survivors, but what about the people that partook in it? Why has no one there had the proverbial come to Jesus moment to come forward and speak openly? I think ultimately is because of my, my mama, uh, Southern Texas uh, country mama, with her accent, would have said, well, they just need Jesus. And it sounds so simple, but she had worn out and highlighted and underlined many Bibles. Uh, over her day. She's a massive consumer of God's word. And she understood all of the depth of what that means. And that means in her mind is just to try to condense it in a very short time. Our people need to understand the divine and sacred ways of the creator that lead to that are harmonious and that lead to building things up and healing and life instead of that, which is counter, which is like a virus or a cancer against that which is beneficial and harmonious and leads to, to healing in life, that which is a distortion and tears down and leads to sickness and death. And that's what we're we're seeing here. So people, people are not aware because they're not seeking the truth. They don't have the moral courage to face the truth. And I believe they don't have the moral courage to face the truth because they don't have faith in their creator and they don't have faith in their creator because they don't know the word of God. And it's not a religious thing. I'm not trying to say you need to do ceremony and have a bunch of religion. I'm saying as a genuine spiritual understanding of the creator that created literally everything and everyone, when we know him and we know how everything really functions, then we're not afraid, come what may. And when we have that level of faith that his will is going to ultimately be done, then we can have our, our way. We can, we can walk our path in, and really enjoy and victory and peace and not be worried about something that might go wrong because we're not wrapped around the axle about it. We're not so worried about those things because we understand the big picture. I, I, I can appreciate that. And I think that you're right for many people in the general populace in general society they don't want to face it. And um, part of that will be because they have a lack of spirituality to believe that things can be better if we all come together. I think there's also an element of if they finally come to terms with what is happening in this world, it would break their psyche because it is so, so messed up. But the people that are involved, what's keeping them in line? What's keeping the politicians from saying something? 
Is there something there? Okay. I don't want to exaggerate this, but I will say that there are many, many who have sought positions of wealth and power, uh, power and control more more accurately, who are self-serving. And they are, many of them are a bit sociopathic in nature. They are in positions of authority, not because they want to help the the citizens, but because they want that that position of power uh, to utilize to to make themselves feel better about their abused childhood or their insecurities. Take your pick. There's a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different personalities there, but I don't see a lot of moral courage to stand up and help the the defenseless and the innocent by a lot of these people you see a lot of corruption now where i'll I'll use the united states as an example man billions and billions hundreds of billions of of our tax dollars are taken by elected officials and sent overseas to other places that aren't really allies or friends of us and that money gets then funneled back to those politicians american politicians families yeah. So they're getting extravagantly wealth, wealthy. So why aren't they speaking out about child trafficking? Well, in so many cases, they're in on it. They benefit from the corrupt status quo. The way that it is suits them just fine. And I it pains me. It's embarrassing for me as an American. I love my country, but I don't love the corruption that we're seeing now. And I don't love the wicked abuse of authority that we're witnessing in so many people who claim to represent us, but do not. And so that's a problem that we have. And it's not a new problem globally, but we have that. So, so many people are in on it. And um, and also they're fearful. There are a lot of people who get murdered for speaking the truth, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I've asked people high ranking in our intelligence community, why is it that someone could swear an oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, um, one day, and then someday in the future, end up murdering witnesses who are innocent, who mean to speak the truth about gross mismanagement and corruption in our federal government. How did they get to that point? And my friends that are legends in our national security space say, well, start off well-meaning in some cases these agencies want to protect their budget for the next fiscal year so they cover up their mistakes rather than owning them uh, it's all a budgetary thing and then it's just like any lie you, you cover it up once then it gets it's a tangled web you cover up over here and then something pops over there and then you're playing whack-a-mole trying to murder all the witnesses and hide all the you know fallout from the mistake the rather bodies. than a yeah. strong leader saying, you know what, folks, here we at whatever, here we are here, we at CIA covered up for Al- Alfred Kinsey's uh falsified studies, trying to make child rape seem normal and good. Clearly, that was a mistake. Let's own it, let's clean that up and, and put it to bed. Nope. They continue murdering people who speak out. So that's what we have is this. This dynamic there. So people that that don't have strong moral faith and and spirituality, well, they're they're afraid because man, when, when they die, they don't know what's going to happen, and so they're terrified, and so they're not going to speak out. 
And that's, that's kind of a control factor that they have. So there's multiple factors on why people don't expose them. Let's wind that back. Um, I, I do want to come back to people not exposing it, potentially people being compromised. But you mentioned someone there, Alfred Kinsey, someone who's thought of as one of the people who uh, redefined sexuality in um, society as we see it today. You mentioned something about the experimentation that he's done on kids. Can you expand on that for the listeners who are unaware with exactly what kind of vile monster Alfred Kinsey is? And I, I do my best normally not to try to frame a question uh, especially calling someone a vile monster, but I think you and I can both agree there was multiple things not right with that man. Yes, well, once you're educated on it, um, you know you you have to speak the truth in good faith, and you have just done that. So, and I'll just to unpack Kinsey a little bit. So, back in the 1940s and 50s, a man by the name of Alfred Kinsey conducted a series of experiments and studies. And his findings were that uh, children are sexual from birth. And that's what he meant to find. By his own description of his preferences, Alfred Kinsey was a sadomasochistic pedophile. He was a very sick man, mentally. And he paid people to essentially rape children. We, we're talking about experiments, some of them around the clock, 24 hours experimenting 26 orgasms he's claimed on one i believe it was a four-month-old infant yep. like a child it's table 34 who, right yeah who who does that and, and how can you whose child was this i mean my god and what does that look like but he he marked any type of convulsions passing out screaming crying as orgasm because that's what Alfred Kinsey wanted it to be. He wanted to find that this is a great thing, raping children, and that it's it's normal and good. And he wanted that to be the results. And so he cooked the books on his investigations or his, uh, his um, studies, I should say. And so I would say, look, folks, the Kinsey Institute is still the recipient of multi-million dollar grants and donations. What an abomination. What? an embarrassment and humiliation against the United States that the normalization of child rape debunked as though it's been through heroes, through champions for children like Dr. Judith Reisman, just for one. She's a hero in my book. Dogged Alfred Kinsey. She went back and, and unpacked and showed how falsified his studies really were. So if we mean to act in good faith and, and, and reveal the truth, we need to go back and have real science and produce real data on how we really function and admit that the human brain is not fully developed until at least the age of 23 to 25. So the executive functions are not there yet in a child. They have no ability to advocate against themselves or for themselves against a full-grown predatory adult who's really mastered the, the art of manipulating a child to get what he wants sexually. I can tell you from personal experience, having interviewed countless survivors of child rape, it's deeply traumatizing for them. And they're, they'll say, Craig, I, I couldn't, I didn't know what to say because this person had me scared. There were threats. I was manipulated. 
I didn't know what to do. I was conflicted because I was a boy and this guy was a man. And did it mean that I was a homosexual? And I was so confused and it was so deeply traumatizing and it affects everything that I perceive in every relationship I have to this day. And in the case of a lot of men, they're like, I didn't even know that this happened to anyone else. And it was humiliating. And I just ate it because I didn't know that there was help and I didn't know how to ask for help. And I just ate it. And God bless you for doing what you do, Craig, because this needs to be stopped. So we have an entire industry of people trying to force this child rape into normalization. And we have gays against groomers, the groups saying, hey, don't try to, you know, sexualize um, our children. Strap, yeah, don't try to strap hang on our gay movement with with child rape and try to make that somehow normal and good too, because we're not down with that. So for those know, that I, aren't, for, for those that don't know what you're talking about there, this is where uh, they've tried to change the moniker of pedophile to minor attracted person. And they're trying to add that on to the LGBTQ two plus I, I, a, whatever it might be. That's what you're going on about, right? And the trans ideology yeah. that's being manipulated through books yeah. like this book is gay or genderqueer that are being introduced into schools that are things that I can't show on this podcast. You wouldn't be able to show on your documentary because we'd be displaying CP, child porn. And yet these books are handed out in school. So for those that aren't aware, and I will provide links to articles talking about this, that's what Craig's talking about when he's saying that they're trying to sexualize our kids, they're using yeah. this ideology to do that. Yeah. And it's the ideology that's under attack in your nation as well as ours. Oh yeah. And we've both Across been the globe. deeply, deeply harmed and they have brought in countless people who do not uh, share our culture um, to change our culture and to tear down the fabric that makes our nation strong. Let's face it. Um, you know, England doesn't, um, whoever's trying to overthrow and tear down England doesn't want a bunch of strong SAS veterans as fathers and grandfathers raising strong, well-loved children or uh, Royal Marines or SBS, you know, these, these strong can-do, fix-it kind of guys who love their country and love their people and will fight to defend them. They don't want that. They don't want, they want a bunch of people who are from a weaker generation who don't know the freedoms and liberties that they have and don't value them and won't fight for them because they feel like, well, you know, um, whatever else somebody brings may be just as good or even better. And that's cultural Marxism. That's Karl Marx and the whole ideological subversion that takes a nation and their ideals, their values, what makes a nation strong and beautiful in its own way and tear that down by attacking the culture. And that's all, that's why social media is so censored. And that's why the news doesn't empower us in our nations anymore with the actual truth of what's happening. They, they change the stats, they minimize the harm being done and they glorify that which is dysfunctional. Why? Ideological subversion. Yuri Bezmenov, a Russian KGB defector spoke very eloquently on what that is all about. If you study Karl Marx and the the way that the the failed man that he really was, the alcoholic, the bitter, jealous man, the ineffective man, the he, he literally worshipped evil. He was a Luciferian. You'd realize nothing good's going to come from that man. 
But that's what's being forced upon our nations under the sugar frosting of democratic socialism. It sounds so nice. And it's just like, it's a sucker punch. It's a one-way right? ticket to communism. And, yeah, it's it's yeah. A, it's the candy lure into the back of a guerrilla rape van of global Marxism. That's what democratic socialism, it's a lie. Um, who was it, the, the, the Russian leader? Um, well, I mean, I can see his face, but I can't say his right name right now. But the point is, he was bald-headed with the pointed goatee. Uh, uh, Lenin. It was Vladimir Lenin, Lenin. Yeah. who said yeah. uh, the 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 reason for socialism is communism. Like there it is, folks. And so we've got to realize the psych job that's being done on us, and rally and educate ourselves and each other, and just say no and rise up in unison and get better elected officials in in office around the globe because we're all this is a global attack it literally is global and uh it's against all of us and we're being diminished we're being undermined by it absolutely but the idea of ideological subversion isn't something that's been played out over the last couple of years it's not something that just happened in in the lifespan of covid it's something that goes back a long time and it's Again, like Yuri Bezmenov said in that interview, it starts going back decades. You need to do, is it three generations? Three mm -hmm. generations that they need to break, in essence, to be able to bring forward the Marxist ideologies. And people listening might think that we've gone off on a tangent that why are you talking about ideological subversion when the topic of conversation was supposed to be child trafficking? Well, it's through this ideological subversion. It's through the decades of brainwashing is what it amounts to of getting people to accept these small incremental changes that lead to these bigger things. And yes, the strange thing is that although it's obvious, although we've had people that have openly spoken about this, still people bury their heads in the sand. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, it's painful. I am a hardened combat veteran. I've got, I'm decorated for a lot of things. I It breaks my heart. It's hard for me to face. The betrayal against us by our elected officials, um, to recognize that our country is being run by people that that want us harmed, that are on board with this global agenda to literally destroy the United States. And I see this playing around the rest of the globe. I'm like, we're not alone in this. This is happening everywhere. This is happening all across Europe, Australia, Canada. This is everywhere, man. So it's hard for us to face it. But uh, I think, it, you know, I would say just keep going. Keep the faith because you get it. You clearly get it. Um, you see how the ideological subversion is utilized to tear down the fabric of our society to lessen, to reduce the resistance to this, this global Marxism and how what they do to the children is how they compromise so many of, of each other. That's why so many of our elected officials do the opposite of what they're chartered to do. That's why so many of these corporations push agendas that are harmful and, and, uh, counter to all of our best interests like why are they pushing this corruption this this not really pushing the corruption why are they pushing this this 
um, perversion and dancing before these big satanic monuments on these reward ceremonies. It's like, why are all, why is all this being forced on us and our children, the programming? And why is the programming against the adults like this, this satanic, like evil stuff? It's all part of the ideological subversion. So what they do to children is just part of that. The child traffic is central, central in the culture of this globalist cabal, this global network of criminals who really, when you just boil it down, they're just weak men who want wealth and power. They're just greedy, lusty men who want what they want. There's nothing really tricky or new about that. But it's what they do to cover for their crimes. That's where the spiritual aspect of it comes in. They do unspeakable harm to children to, to power up, if you will, the the spiritual cloaking that keeps the, the the populace from recognizing it and keeps them from legal prosecution that's where the spiritual aspect of it come in comes in a lot of people may not understand that but those who have studied it or have worked against it in law enforcement or or ha- on the healing side of it and have to deal with it uh, learn it very very quickly and we're learning that through so many of the survivors of satanic ritual abuse that we're dealing with it's it's like um it's like a high level education that you'll get on this in just one week of back-to-back interviews a lot of these people it's very difficult it's very emotionally painful to learn but empowering because knowledge is power and truth is love if you if you understand the truth, then you're more wise and able to act and vote in your own best interest. So it's just a process of us having these conversations, revealing what's really going on, sharing it and demonstrating the factual evidence in documentary and other formats so that people can see what they couldn't just bring, see, so they can understand and believe what they wouldn't believe if you just walked to them up on the street and said, hey, make what do you think about, you know, here's all this that's really going on. They'd be like, wait, I haven't paid attention. So I don't know any of that. Okay. Well, watch this documentary and we'll walk you through it. You'll see arrests. You'll see victims. You'll see the perpetrators themselves. You'll learn what you can't believe if I just told you on the street. So it's a process by which cultures are changed, right? Now, a leader, a true leader will, will set the culture in any nation or any institution. So strong leaders can say, hey, look, man, this is we're country X, Y, Z here. And here's what we're about. We're about this. And here over here and here over there is what we're not about. If you're outside of that, you don't you don't have the you forfeit your right to operate and live in our free society. So we're going to put you in a box or deport you because we can't allow that here. It's way outside of our acceptable boundaries. But, you know, here's what we're about it. And we we don't see strong leadership anymore. We see weaklings who, who are puppets, you know, for other other people on on a bigger hostile agenda. So, it's it comes back to what you were saying about um, again. You eloquently described it in the UK where they don't want the the strong male from you know an SAS regiment, SBS, etc. It comes back to that ideological subversion that if you can break apart what is essentially the most important part of a child's upbringing, the family unit, if you can split apart the family unit, that feeds back into the trafficking element as well and the grooming element because. One of the most hard-hitting things for me when listening to this 
of both your interviews and other people's interviews, the children that are targeted, the people targeting them, they know to target kids that come from broken homes or homes where there might be an absent father or an absent parent. And those are the ones that are targeted. And I mentioned to you in one of the first messages of uh, when we spoke, there's someone or that there's a few people close to me who I didn't know until very recently have also experienced abuse for for years and years as children and that rang true with with all of those people that rang true that they come from the broken home Mm. yeah it's it's heartbreaking look a predator is um you take any predator around the world even in the wildlife kingdom they target uh the weak weak or the least protected right and sadly child child predators they they target those like you said who have the least protection and that that perception is is that way when there's no strong father presence in the home or in the child's life and uh man our own boy was targeted uh not sexually but uh psychologically in elementary school when i was deploying overseas a lot for our our nation uh the this this weak character elementary school teacher male would choose one child we learned in hindsight he would choose one child per year and just break that child down and uh, he would choose that child when he didn't perceive a strong father figure around so because i was overseas for you know the first part of the school year it's when i got home i realized man our child outgoing gregarious happy well-secured child whenever i would let him out of the car you know the teachers and children would come running and uh kade and they just they were so happy he was there and and it's like a it's like a little star child you know they were like happy he was there because he's happy he was withdrawn and distant i'm like what the heck's going on so we inserted ourselves in that elementary school to see what was going on we learned that this guy was doing psych job on him so it's true they do that and that is why systematically the loving mother and father team who together are what they can't be separately um are are unbeatable and that divine and sacred institution it was designed where that 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 feminine masculine make just an unbeatable team of raising well-loved and secure and well-grounded children you know who grew up to be that type of adults and so that's under attack. Why? Because our nations are under attack. They mean for us to be weakened and divided and scattered so that we can be overthrown without firing a single shot. And it's ugly. And we have to recognize the hostility in that. That teacher really chose the wrong kids. To- oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in that case, we got him fired. We went to meet with the principal and say, hey, this is what's going on. And the principal said, oh, yeah, well, you know, calm down, you know, we'll deal with it. You know, we'll choose the softest possible uh, resolution. We're like, no, he does this to other children. He's out of there. We're not going to abide it. We are not going to tolerate him remaining there. Not only will our child never set foot in a room with that guy, that predator again, but nor shall any other children. Because we're we're advocates now. We see the harm. We're not just gonna 
say, well, our kid's okay, you know, hope the best for the other children. So we had to demand that this principal uh, take action. And the principal in this case was having a homosexual relationship with the child predator. And he didn't want to get rid of his buddy, his partner. So we had to demand that he did. And we said, okay, well, now it's on you. You're going to lose your job, Mr. Principal, because we're going to bring news media down here. We're going to pick it. We're going to have every manner of, of distraction and exposure in your parking lot, exposing how you are protecting a child predator who's destroying children's lives in your school. We're going to escalate this until he's the heck out of there. And he's like, oh, okay, calm down. I'll, I'll do it. So we have to be assertive are these things because a, a bully will continue to abuse people until somebody forces them to stop, you know, and sometimes they need a rap on the beak before you, you know, we get their attention. It's what you said before we started recording, right? A bully, once you take away their methods of control is nothing more than a scared little child. Right. Yeah. And in this case, You're finding that in so many cases, you know, people who abuse their authority are those who are weak of character just like in the Wizard of Oz, this big scary wizard, oh, and, and you could superimpose that template over any government, a big scary wizard, oh, and then you pull back the curtain, it's just a pathetic little old man pulling the levers to make it seem like it's worse than it is. And, and in any country where the citizens have voting rights and can control which direction their government goes, we really have to unite and share information and empower ourselves and assert ourselves that way legally and force the issue and make sure we get better representation so that things don't continue to downward spiral it's um i can't remember which president said the quote so i'm probably going to butcher it but essentially it's along the lines of only an informed society can be properly governed uh, an yeah. uninformed society is yeah governed by tyranny something yeah. along those lines yeah. yeah it's true and and even the bible says you know my my people are undone for a lack of knowledge it's it's a truth it's universal so no matter who says it it is truth and it's been said many times but we need to heed that and just realize knowledge is power if you love people you want them empowered that means they they need to have the knowledge and quite frankly folks we each need to take responsibility and learn to self-educate. You know, it's it's no good to go to four, eight, or twelve years of school and decide, well, that's that's enough. You know, I've got my my fancy degree, or my doctorate, or whatever, and not continuing to research what's going on globally, current events. And I don't mean turning on the television and watching uh, the industrialized news that's owned at the very top of these entities uh, by this same globalist cabal that's overthrowing our nations. I mean, network and, and find alternate sources and vet your sources and see which ones are more accurate with their intelligence product over time and start uh, choosing multiple of those and make sure you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on out there so you understand how to act and vote in your own interest and start networking that uh, intelligence, that information with all of your, your friends and family, those who you care about. And then we can be more informed and thereby more empowered. Absolutely. And one of the things there of this is a global issue, this is something that we all across the globe need to be aware of. 
is also that NGOs aren't necessarily innocent and all-knowing. If we, I'm sure you're familiar with the eight principles of March, which was the UN-sponsored document, which talks about, uh, I, I will read it rather than uh, trying to say it, and I will share the uh, screen. It's the eight principles of March that is done by the ICJ, and they talk about consensual sexual conduct. And it says, with respect to the enforcement of criminal law, any prescribed minimum age of consent to sex must be applied in a non-discriminatory manner. Enforcement may not be linked to the sexual gender of participants or the age of consent to marriage. Moreover, sexual conduct involving persons below domestically prescribed minimum ages uh, to consent may be consensual, in fact, if not in law. In this context, the enforcement of the criminal law should reflect the rights and capacity of persons under 18 years of age to make decisions about engaging in consensual sexual conduct and their right to be heard in matters concerning them. Pursuant to their evolving capacities and progressive autonomy, persons under the 18 years of age should participate in decisions affecting them with regard to their age, maturity, best interests, etc., etc. Now, I don't know about you, Actually, I, I probably do know the answer that you're going to give because you've already mentioned our brains, one, aren't fully developed until you know 23 to 25 years old. Second to that, if kids are in school and being shown books that are sexualizing them, like in this uh, in Genderqueer, where they're seeing a child performing sex acts with a camp counselor, they're going to be convinced a la that ideological subversion that we've already spoken about, that this behavior is okay. We've got a document from the UN talking about, ah, no, it's okay if the child says yay. Then we've got all this rubbish happening in our schools. It is a global yeah. issue that people just aren't waking up to. Yeah. Yeah, look, the Germans in the late 30s really mastered a couple of things. Um, Propaganda? They, they they did a, a lot of flight technologies and their engineers, fantastic there, but also on the psychology department. Um, so at the end of World War II, uh, the US, and I'm sure the UK um, to some degree, and Russia were in a race to, to see who could rally, round up the most uh, German scientists um, because of the, the rocket scientists and like Werner von Braun and all that uh, for the space race that was to follow but also the MK Ultra and Monarch programs, all of the psychological manipulation that that they had, they had learned, it's staggering how effective a lot of these techniques are, and they're utilized in the intelligence community for numerous things, and uh, most of which are not good, quite frankly. And I could see how you'd want to be able to utilize them for your national security, understand your enemy, maybe. Uh, more effective interrogation techniques, uh, that sort of thing. But what they're used for instead, and a lot of times, is evil. So there's there's use of language to manipulate societies now, and it's a it's a deceit. And they instead of changing the the standards, they they really just change the language and our perception of standards, and they get what they want anyway. So let's say. Instead of child rapist, 
they start calling him a minor attracted person. Doesn't that sound harmless? And thereby comes the threat. In our slumber, in our comfort, everyone approaches the threat. It's coming. And they're coming for our children. And they've said that they're coming for our children, yet we slumber. So shame on us if we don't rally the moral courage to stand up and face this, this enemy, this threat, these predators that are coming for our children, because they mean to, to demoralize our society so they have easier access to our children, whom they will abuse to no end and even sacrifice if they can for their own personal power and power trip and benefit. So we really have some hardening to do. And we've been softened intentionally, our societies. And it's all through cultural Marxism, all through ideological subversion of just grinding away the strength of our character and, and the moral fabric of our nations and that iron will to do good and make things better and defend what's ours. That's all being torn down. So um, child predation, child rape can never be normalized because they do not have the ability to advocate for themselves against a full-grown predatory adult. It's traumatizing. So we must never allow them to normalize in any way, shape, or form, even with language, the notion and the practice of a full-grown adult having sex with a child. I'm sorry. I've interviewed too many, and I understand how harmful it actually is. And it's a spin to try to um, sleepwalk us into this submission of, of our children here do this to our children because somehow it's been told to us that it's okay and we believe it. So uh, these Monarch and MK Ultra mind control programs, uh, when you study them, folks, and there's a massive amount of material out there now, when you realize from the survivors of some of these programs how effective it is, it's staggering. And the use of, of drugs too, how masterfully some of these, these, uh, these uh, units and institutions have gotten at, at the utilization of drugs to put people in, in different states of mind uh, to, to get the results that they want to out of. It's very concerning. And, you know, the populace deserves to know. They, we all deserve to know what our governments are doing. And uh, I think we need to all start investigating behind the scenes what our key institutions are doing when uh, some of its... Um, highest ranking members are in these private groups. When do they meet? What are they meeting about? Who else are being brought into these meetings? What's happening to them? Are children being harmed? Are there rituals? Are Is there abuse to innocent people or children happening in these rituals? You know, where are they, where are they doing? When are they meeting? How do they, how does their meetings line up with the satanic calendar? Because there are lunar events and, and things that the satanists value very highly in different seasons when they, they gather and have uh, very intense uh, ceremonies. And what does all that creepy abuse look like? And when do they do it? We, the people and any nation can start getting smart on this networking and start investigating and exposing these people and taking them out of our key institutions and disempowering them and even prosecuting them for the harm that they do. And I encourage, I strongly urge people to do that, begin watching and collecting information. And then once you see that this is happening, call it out and expose it because they, again, sunlight is the best antiseptic for corruption. It's 
it's funny that you mentioned the Germans. I don't know if you're familiar with the Kentner project at all. Not that I can recall off, offhand that particular name. So Helmut Kentler was a, a German psychologist, again, Germans and their psychology, who in the 1970s, with the OK from the German government, was taking foster children, again, people from broken homes, and placing them with known pedophiles, who were also then being trafficked to their politicians for 30 years this was something, an experiment that was okayed by government. So again, we come back to this idea of it being okayed and used from the top. So with that being said, these okays from the top and, and permissions being granted by those above, we had uh, Alfred Kinsey way back in the, in the 30s, 40s, who was doing this experimentation to children as well. You've been speaking out about this and you've had a hell of a time at getting this information out there because you've been deplatformed at this point. How many times you've had your social media platforms deleted? How many times the the hashtags that people can't find? Can you maybe talk to us about that as well? The fact that if we were to look at things to do with child trafficking now on Instagram or on Twitter and look up those hashtags, they can't be found. Can you expand yeah. a little bit on that? Yeah, just one of the many forms of censorship is the disabling of hashtags. And for those of you that may not know, most of you do, a hashtag, you just put the pound sign at the front of a word. And the, the hyperlink function of that allows people to search whatever else is on that platform with that hashtagged word in it. They um, Instagram and Facebook disabled a long list of hashtags that involved child safety. We're talking about things like end child trafficking, stop child harm, end child rape, stop child rape, things like that. Things that can't mean something bad, things that mean like stop the harm to the little ones, disabled. And uh, we're not really given a reason why and um, it's ugly it's ugly what it does is it keeps people from researching and networking and finding each other and supporting each other in the effort to defend children from harm that's indefensible folks that comes from a very very dark place who owns instagram who owns facebook they're in charge they're in control we know government agencies strong arm them to carry out certain uh, very dark agendas, not even political agendas really, but 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 satanic agendas. When you trace it down, now, yeah, there was one side of the, the political aisle that condones child rape and the other side doesn't openly, but they're both corrupt by now. And it's not even really a political thing. This is a spiritual thing, harming children. This is demonic what they do. So it's very, very ugly to witness that kind of manipulation and frantic censorship of truth and to try to keep us, we the people, from networking information and learning about what's being done to the innocent and defending each other. So it's these are ugly times in the level of betrayal and deceit and cover-up, but we can overcome it and we must overcome it and uh, celebrate this discussion on how we can do that. 
and it, it it goes even further of not just your ability to push this message out across social media the fact that you've been deplatformed even when you were fundraising for Contraland while it was in production something happened there right yes yeah yeah big tech platforms out of san francisco um literally deleted my fundraising campaigns but i just wanted to i didn't have a, no, a non-profit organization i didn't want a non-profit ngo i just wanted to make a documentary to alert the people about the harm to children and urge them to help defend the little ones just uh, stand up and speak up and vote to stop the child harm none of the platforms would allow me to rally the money what they were doing um i believe is illegal but since there's no checks and balances they can do what they want nobody's really holding them to account for their behavior so they could delete my accounts and get away with it and i wasn't saying anything controversial i was just saying i we want to make a documentary about the harm that's happening to children and child trafficking and show the evidence. And they didn't want that. So they deleted my accounts and uh, it's ugly folks. It's ugly. When you see that uh, you realize that there's a spiritual push for them to silence the truth, to divide and people and keep us from networking and looking after ourselves. Why? Because they want total control over planet earth it's not enough for them to have most of the control and wealth and power they want all of it all of it there's a sick compulsion that that compels them forward uh, against all sanity and against all reason really against all rationality it's like a dr evil kind of um bad character from a from a comedy movie or from a james bond film a james bond villain the more you research, the more you realize that's how these people really think. Mm. And also if they're at the World Economic Forum or at the Bilderberg Conference or wherever else these people meet, they're looking after their own financial best interest and how they can gain more wealth and power. And it seems when you read Agenda 2030 and some of their great reset uh, policy um uh, the white papers, essentially, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that they won't do. There's nothing that they won't stoop to in a psychopathic rage forward um, to checkmate the entire global populace in a global Marxist one world order. That's what they say that they're after. You listen to Klaus Schwab, what he says. Listen to George Soros, what the words that he says when interviewed. Don't take my word for it. Please research and listen to them. And you'll go, my God, this man's a monster. Oh, yeah, but he's given favor in our governments, favor in our news, favor in our social media platforms. Uh, we've got a hostile environment out there for truth and freedom and liberty. And um, more lockdowns are coming. They're gonna they they're gonna resort to more lockdowns. That's in their game plan. Doesn't matter the reason why. Will no, they he's... use a pathogen for it? Yeah. Will they use? Global climate. warming or yeah. climate change. Yes, and they are going to do it. They'd watch. Yeah, they've already done it in India, the climate change lockdowns. Oh, pollution's too high, guys. You, sorry, no going out today. But and you know, here's the thing on there is actually we don't have too many people. No. I, I believe 
and being a good steward of our planet and our environment. I love the outdoors. I love animals, man. I do. I mean, I, I get tremendous pleasure from being in beautiful places and watching the animals just do what they do. And I believe in taking care of it. But giving billions of dollars to global criminals is not going to f- clean the earth. We have to take honest steps to be good stewards and clean, but we're not in danger. We are not the ones increasing the planet's temperature. The science doesn't back this this power grab. They will utilize anything. Once you break the code and see through it, they don't surprise you with any of their power grab antics anymore. So I'm not saying don't care, take care of the planet. I'm saying absolutely take care of the planet. We must, and, but, but bankrupting ourselves and living in poverty and eating bugs is not going to save the planet. It's just going to forfeit our freedom and liberty and power to the global cabal, what we refer to just as a cabal for short. It's just a network of crooks who want absolute power. So we have to see through their agenda. And it's not a fight over whether or not we want the earth clean. We all want the earth clean, right? It's not over whether or not we all want to be healthy. We all want to be healthy. It's a matter of whether or not we're going to give up our sovereignty to the crooks who hate us and want total control. It really is a battle of two choices, either serfdom or having our own sovereignty. And, you know, it's something that we've spoken about on the podcast before with regards to the climate alarmism, the fact that the data doesn't actually accurately represent what we're being told, the fact that regardless of what the CO2 levels are doing, what we might be doing, there's no real change from our impact on the global temperature that when we've had the two uh, biggest moments in recent history of a decline in human CO2 output, the temperature still done the same old thing. It didn't even have a hiccup, let alone anything else. During the 2008 crisis and then the COVID lockdowns, the fact that the world essentially went into standstill and there was no change there, and we're still being told CO2 and my car is the problem while Prince Harry jumps on a jet 31 times or you know Charles goes and does the same thing or Al Gore or any of these jackasses at the end of the day. But one of the other things that is real done. quick, real yep. quick. Yep. Even if we were ruining the planet, it's disingenuous on their part. They're hypocrites on their part because all of the burden falls on our tiny little countries and they're not holding the same standard to India or China who are massive com- countries and have a far greater impact. They're not even addressing, they're not even trying to get China to gripe down on, on the, the pollutants. And, and so even if that, you know, if you just throw away everything else and look at it from that hypocritical standpoint, you'd realize it's a disingenuous agenda. So please continue. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, not a problem. I mean, um, the normal argument back to that would be, yeah, but the two countries who are uh, planting the most trees are India and China, but that's not, that's also a disingenuous argument because it doesn't factor in the fact that they're producing so many coal power plants and they're not coal power plants in the same way that is done with the standards in the Netherlands where I am now in the UK or in the US where the chimney stacks are uh, efficiently 
taking away the particulates that we don't want going into the atmosphere. No, they're just pumping out whatever tech that they can get their hands on. In the case of China, whatever tech they're able to steal and then producing it the way that they want. But one of the other things that's being done is if we look at Ukraine, if we look at what happened in Hawaii, anytime that there's a disaster, the trafficking rates increase. Craig, you're someone that's operated in yeah, 60 countries by this point in multiple different capacities. What is it that's happening during those crises moments? There's what, 2,000 kids that are still, or is it more, uh, still unaccounted for in Hawaii? There's multiple kids, that, uh, multiple thousands of kids that have gone missing in Ukraine. Wherever you find it, the southern border uh, in the US, kids going missing at every moment. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, predators thrive in chaos. They make sure that they do. They're pre-staged. Um, in the case of Ukraine, we've got groups of buses who are taking children without their parents to Poland, where they don't speak the language and where their parents are not. And what's happening to these children? Where's the accountability? My question would be, where is the systematic accountability for the children? In any of these crises, look at the wildfires that are going on. Look at, at how many children are missing from the Maui fires, and we're not getting any answers. Where's the accountability? In the United States, in the last two years alone, the federal government, our federal government admits to losing 85,000 children. Well, that's two football stadiums full of souls, precious little children. Oops. Okay. Oops. Where's the investigation? What stage is it, is it at? How many uh, have you found? How many are with their biological parents? Nothing. It's crickets. It's deafening silence. What's going on? And there are government contracted flights flying children deep into our country from the southern border states. And they're they're run like covert operations. Private contracted birds with aircraft tail numbers that are registered to companies that have been out of business for years. Landing illegally at 3 and 4 a.m. when it's illegal to land in some of these private airfields after midnight with manifests that are illegal that say cargo when 20 or 30 children, souls, get off. Where are they being taken to? They're being shoved in privately owned vehicles and buses and run off there in dark country roads at high rates of speed. Why would you move children like that at such high rates of speed? What dangerous and reckless manner is of transportation is that for children? I wouldn't want my children being moved that way. Why? When Jin Saki, the White House uh, press secretary, was asked about it in the briefing room, why are these children being moved in this way? This is this is sickening. Where's the accountability? She said, oh, early flights, earlier flights than you or I might like to take. But that doesn't mean anything's wrong. Next question. Wait, what? Earlier flights. So she was already aware of this covert child trafficking, government funded and run. And she already had her her false answer prepared ready to go yeah ready to, to go shine everybody on the gaslight us and to make us be okay with whatever harm is befalling those precious little children god bless them wherever they are if they're still alive and i don't believe they are 
they're being uh, moved at industrial scale into our country from the wide open border. You tell me where another country has just abandoned its border and has no control of who comes in anymore. Diseased, with weapons, whatever, come nilly-willy. What manner of service and protection of the sovereign citizens of a nation is that? That doesn't make any sense. I tell you what, if I try to come into the into Mexico through their southern border, uh, I'd have a problem. You know, they have checks there. We, we've abandoned ours, so we're, we're being undermined. I mean, it's even to the point where migrants coming in. Actually, here's one. During the whole pandemic palaver, I wouldn't have been allowed to enter the US as I refused to get the shot. However, if I came in through the southern border, ditched my passport, I would have been allowed to walk in, no questions asked. And there are also some people coming in through the southern border who are being set up as they come in, in terms of here's where you need to go for housing, here's the people you need to speak to, here's the things you need to say. They're being given advice on how to make sure that they can live a cushy life. It's outrageous. And, it's not that and, you guys have opened the southern border. It's There's a welcome mat with instructions on how to get on. In some cases, they're giving folders of information. Yeah. Like here's a basic a how-to booklet on how to navigate into our country and how to get our social programs that we, the working taxpayers, pay into. Here's how you can walk into our country for free. No loyalty. You don't swear in nothing. You can get free stuff. In fact, here's a here's a here's a a pack of money on on and plane tickets on how to get deep into the United States. Here's some food. There's a place where you're going to stop and, and get free shoes and a backpack and sweatshirt and whatever else you need, free dental care, and then we'll push you into the rest of our country. So look, a friend of mine is, and I don't know uh, how well this movie would play over in Europe, but a friend of mine, Chris Kyle, was a Navy SEAL sniper. And, um, oh, yeah. You know, he's a hero in our country. And he was a humble man and, and and brave Navy SEAL. And he put in a lot of work in defense of our nation. And his interpreter, we call him Johnny Walker. And he's an Iraqi citizen. And he risked his life and his family's life by helping our nation in a time of war. And if he was caught, you know, by the other side, he'd have been tortured and killed and so would his family. He risked everything. And he served for uh, years and years and years. And he was promised that he would be brought over here and given sanctuary. Well, this our Department of State fought him for many years to try to keep him from coming here. They made it very, very painful and difficult for him to come here and gain his citizenship. He finally has, but it took him almost a decade, I think. Meanwhile, like you said, you can walk across the southern border, not swear in, not say that you care one thing or no one thing about our country, not speak the language, and you'll be given a how-to. Pamphlet. Now, how is that in the best interest of the American citizens or any other country? And how is that in the best interest of people who have come here respectfully and legally in decades or generations past? It's a slap in the face to everyone. So we've got a, a runaway cabal of crooks who are just doing whatever they want and they're getting away with it. No accountability. 
and only through knowledge of it and a concerted, unified effort against it can we regain, I think, our cultures and our freedoms and our sovereignty in our different nations. Look, I celebrate the different cultures around the world. I love people everywhere. I've learned this in my older age, man. People are just people. We, You and I would only ever be at war with each other because our government officials didn't get along, not because you and I didn't get along, right? Huh. And I love going to the UK and, and tasting your food and your cuisine and your culture and listening to the different accents around your country and and the, and the way you call things lorries and 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 the boot and, <laughs> and, you know like i think it's what macarthur that says you know we you brits and we english are, are we americans are two different people separated by a common language <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love that difference cuz it's 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 rich and it's um it's inspiring and it's and it's beautiful. And I celebrate that. And there's nothing wrong with having that. I love traveling to India and all the different countries around the world and going, wow, they have such a deep, rich history. It's beautiful. And to kind of try to eliminate all that and bring us together is not in our, our best interest. It's in the best interest of the would-be tyrants. And, um, you know, I love our flag, but I love your flag for you. And I don't want to change that. I, think, and I don't want us all to be melted into one pot so that we can be easily controlled by, you know, uh, one um, central government. government. I think I, I yeah. just see the, the hostility behind it. I th I think I see it with a little bit of a different, a different lens, a little bit of different nuance as I think the mass migration that is happening at the Southern border is nothing but, and can be nothing but, destructive and we've seen it now in democratic states where they're trying to put laws through where undocumented aliens as the politically correct term is or illegal immigrants are able to vote despite not having citizenship and despite not adding to the society that they're working it or working or not working in that is unconscionable the fact that you don't have to be a citizen. You don't have to provide anything to that country and be able to vote. I think there's a difference with people that come, much like Johnny Walker, let's say, with the intention of working for it, with the intention of adding to society and being a valuable member of society. Look, myself, you know, I am now a migrant to the Netherlands, living here, working here. I pay my taxes, I do my thing. I think if you're happy to integrate, I speak the language as well, uh, not just the Brit who moved to the Netherlands and decided to speak English everywhere. I can speak Dutch. I decided to integrate into the society. It wasn't a case of moving over and holding on to the British identity that I've grown up with, that I was born into, and refusing to integrate and assimilate into a new society. I think if you are open to moving somewhere else, you should be also open to absorbing the cultures of the land that you're moving to. Cause there has to be a reason you're going there. There has to be a reason yeah. people want to go there. So I think if people want to be positive members, absolutely. I'm all for it, but just on mass causing waves of destruction as you go. Uh, you're familiar with Michael Yon, I'm sure. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, as Michael Yon's finding at the southern border, and as he's well documented, we're talking single men of military age who, and I trust his eye for it, people who are looking around like they've had some kind of military training. What are they doing flocking to the country? Right. It doesn't seem quite right to me. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not allowed to ask those questions, right? So no, it's, don't uh, do that. You're getting we're, we're called we're called names for it. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, this has been a, a heavy discussion. I want to share one brief moment of levity. So I was over there training with your cross training with your SAS huh. fine blokes. Yeah. Um, there was one telling a story in a very <laughs> choppy um, accent. I'm like. I, st- I grabbed and, and they're all dying. They're they're in the uh, the team room with laughing hysterically. And I grabbed one of them. I said, mate, I can't understand what he's saying. Like, what is he saying? He's like, he speaks so fast. It's so choppy. And they're like, he's like, I think it's from like Glasgow or something like Northern Scotland, you know, where they speak Makes so sense. fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, what do you think we're laughing about, mate? We we can't understand him either. That don't surprise me. I get the same with the oh, Scouse accent. It was funny, just... but it was beautiful. It's like they didn't hate him. They're just, they're like laughing about how when he's telling his story, they're, they're having a hard time, you know, even understanding their own teammates. So uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I love the diversity. I think it's, it makes us stronger. And when we recognize that we, the people are all just humans, man, we all just want to live and let live. And it's really the corrupt politicians who decide whether or not, you know, we we have wars with each other. It's not it's not the average citizens that uh, that decide these things. So there, I don't know where it's all going to go, man. I just um, there know, two, I celebrate the, the the sharing of knowledge, though. I absolutely. Really I understand what's really happening. I I, I have sort of two main last questions for you, as I know you've got other things to do as well. The first one is that, as we've already said, this goes all the way to the top. This goes to NGOs like the UN and the WHO who have been documented many times withholding medicines or other things for favours or what have you. Uh, Our politicians in the UK, the US, the Netherlands, there's scandals going on everywhere. What can we as citizens do? You've said get educated and vote, but it also feels like the democratic process is broken. I think the US is lucky that you have a constitutional republic. I find the quote unquote democracy that my family is in back in the UK and that I'm living in here in the Netherlands is far and beyond broken. People aren't able to get their voices heard. So so what can we do? Man, um, well, one thing is we can boycott the corporations that are owned by this, this same cabal. You know, that's something that we can do because it's something that we don't do, right? Don't give money to their corporations anymore and there's a couple of entities that own pretty much everything Everything. now and uh, they're pushing a lot of this destructive agenda Uh, shame on them Uh, everybody that's involved in that and uh, that's another thing that we can do but in sharing the network uh, networking the the information in this increase in consciousness and awareness will come i think the solutions you look people are clever there's a lot of people that that figure out uh, very meaningful ways to express things and find solutions. And I think it's in those numbers and, and networking that intelligence and saying like, man, you've got an idea. I've got an idea. And together we've come up with a whole nother solution on how to combat this. I think, you know, I really celebrate that, that type of planning. Um, 
I've, I won't say too much. There, there's a place where I was involved uh, where the, the planning was done that way. You got a team of guys, man, they're throwing a bunch of ideas on the table and you take the ideas that are least viable, set them aside and take the ones that are most viable, see how they can fit together and make the, the best plan, hone it, rehearse it, adjust it, hone it, rehearse it, and then go execute. And it's amazing. And we, the people can do that in our own best interests. You know, we can, we can create corporations that bring solutions when allowed. Uh, we can rally and expose those who are corrupt, who are betraying us and act in unison to get them out of there. Um, it's this kind of thing. We can, we can serve as teachers uh, to in the educational systems to make sure that people are learning what goes on. We can lobby it and, you know, who's putting our textbooks, where, where's the curriculum coming from? What are our next generations getting taught? Are they getting taught empowering knowledge? Are they being taught real history? Are they being taught some sort of um, Marxist, um, you know, twist of, of, of what the cabal would have them know? And can we get involved in that and assert ourselves and, and what what history or what what information gets taught, the civics and all that kind of thing? So it's a it's across the board uh, set of solutions, but I think we're we're best finding that together, unified rather than divided and scattered. Because again, man, uh, divided and conquered is an effective scattered, uh, effective strategy, and it's an old one. But it's so well known because it's effective. It works. It feels and it's been like done that. against us. We have to actively push back on that. I can't hate you and you can't hate me because of something that's been issued to us. Some false narrative of you. I have a logo on my shirt and you don't. So I'm one of the evil ones. And so we have to hate each other. And, you know, Craig said something horrible about you and you had said something horrible about me. And then there's the friction. And when we communicate directly, we can overcome a lot of this stuff. So I just, I really celebrate that unity and that networking of, of, of information and that sharing of solutions so that we can find unified um, ways out of this. Because our enemies are, are unified. I mean, they're having think tanks and um, panels on how they're going to overthrow our nations and take our, our, our liberties from us. So shame on us if we don't do the same in reverse to keep them. Uh, they are a well-oiled machine, to say the least. And then I suppose the last one comes in two parts. There's something that we haven't touched on yet, and that is Contraland. If you can tell us about that documentary, where people can find it, uh, because one of the things that you guys also do there is at the end of the documentary, you also talk about the solutions the other not-for-profits that you guys are involved with that work with and try to help people who are survivors of abuse and then the last part of the question is what advice would you have for survivors of abuse so first off what is contraland and where can yeah. people find it okay contraland is a good faith documentary film you can find it on contralandmovie.com or you can go to our website, v4cr.com, and it's linked there also. If you can't remember any of those, just type in Contraland in any search engine. You should be able to find one form of it or another. It's been translated into several different languages, probably half a dozen different languages, including, I think, Turkish and uh, you know some, some pretty interesting ones. So I celebrate that. 
it's a good faith documentary to show you the human being what you really should know about the nature of child trafficking in our case specifically in the united states but we do travel over to southeast asia and show some of that so that you can kind of tie it together and see why it's the way that it is in the united states but the united states to my understanding is the biggest consumer of child sex content so shame on us for becoming that and allowing that and there's a whole series of reasons why we've allowed that here porn is a big problem that's led to that we need to get a handle on that and and heal from that addiction uh really and bring that out and have that ugly discussion painful discussion but identify how harmful it actually is and drive that from our culture as well. Um, and so that's what Contraland is. It shows you what you need to know so that you can understand, so you can begin looking after your children in a more effective way and understand the, the nasty culture at the center of this uh, crime network that's overthrowing uh, the globe for their own selfish interest. So that's what Contraland is, where you can find it. and. Um, as for what the survivors can do, man, there there are thankfully a list of things that you can do for healing. And we've interviewed so many people and I've been all over the place inside the United States on aftercare. And I'll tell you this, and again, I'm not trying to sound religious, but I haven't seen any aftercare that's really effective at healing that's not faith-based, that doesn't take into account the creator, uh, our creator, and and approach healing from a loving standpoint and go deep and address the real harms and the real source of healing, our own creator. Nobody can heal some of this. Look, some of these people, they're driven through very specific drugging and psychological traumatizing techniques into deep schizophrenic fracturing into many, many subparts. And each of these subparts are, um, they're targeted and conditioned and they are programmed for different personalities, for different functions. None of those functions are in the person's best interest. So the level of control is staggering. How can a person that's been driven into dozens of parts and each programmed and worked against them with demonic oppression and even demonic possession in some cases, how can they heal with it? Just someone who's an advocate, very, very difficult. So what we're, we're uh, seeing is that really, if it's not faith-based, it really, we're not seeing any real results. So I would say find a an aftercare facility or group that's got a very strong reputation and who has faith at the center of their healing and equine therapy man horses seem to be miraculous in how that they interact with people especially when the the practitioner understands very well how to utilize the horses in that uh, therapy and healing so um, there's a list of things that work um, but sadly th th there's not enough there's not enough aftercare for all the survivors. So pray, everybody. I, it's If you don't understand it, I would say, please just realize praying for these people, praying for your own healing is more powerful than you would probably ever believe it to be. And I've seen it to be miraculous in its power. So um, 
look after each other when out, out there and um, help each other, you know, lean on each other and, and lift each other up. It's a beautiful thing. Powerful. And where can people find you or find out more about what you guys are doing? Yeah, man, just go to our website, v4cr.org. And everything that we do is pretty much linked there. All of our social media is hyperlinked there and you can find us, follow us, interact, learn and celebrate the journey. And we're, we're just grateful for everybody that has the moral courage to stand up and speak truth, look after the little ones, look after each other and, um, and, you know, revolt against that, which is evil and destructive and righteous indignation. Look, even the good Lord, Jesus Christ was capable of flipping over the money changers tables in the temple when they were just acting like complete scumbags and just making a mockery of, of a sacred institution. So how much more should we be looking after the children, the most precious and innocent among us? Let's see the mama bears out there stand up and protect the little ones. Let's see the papa bears do the same. We'll be better for it. And uh, little ones will be too. So God bless. And I appreciate you having me on the show. And it's a privilege to um, to share this time and discuss discussion with you. And I, and I hope that it impacts many.